Gridbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Looking for the perfect First Communion, Confirmation, or RCIA gift? Consider a beautiful, heirloom-quality, made-in-Italy rosary from Ghirelli. A Ghirelli rosary will be prayed with and cherished forever, guaranteed. Shop Ghirelli today. That's G-H-I-R-E-L-L-I dot com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. This is Setting the Record Straight on BreadboxMedia.com. I'm Chuck Coughlin with more Lenten Reflections. This week, from The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. My mother gave me a copy of this book when I was in grade school. And she read it frequently. And I occasionally, of course. For me, this book fits in and corresponds to its antecedents in the reflections of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, the Philokalia. Reading this book in short paragraphs is an excellent gateway into reverent reflections and conversations with God. And this is the last week of our Lenten Reflections, our return, the more usual format of uncovering the glorious history of our beloved Catholic Church in future podcasts. I felt that something quieter and full of silences was more appropriate for Lent. As an adult, I've discovered that this book is indeed a classic, read widely around the globe. Thomas Akempis was born in Germany around 1379. He entered the Mount St. Agnes Monastery at the age of 19 and remained there until his death at 92. He was an ordained priest, but a writer of copyists, too. For a time, Thomas served as sub-prior for the monastery, a job that also included service as novice master, instructing the newest members of the community. So, the imitation of Christ is addressed to these young novitiates and others like them. Kempis never claimed authorship for anything. So scholars have debated whether he's the true author or perhaps just the scribe for the imitation of Christ. It doesn't matter. His name is forever intertwined 
with this devotional classic. Thomas Akempis' monastery was part of the New Devotion Movement. Their method of dealing with the uncertainty of lives in the time of the plague, church schisms, and class revolts was to retreat behind monastery walls and live lives of simplicity and devotion. They weren't as concerned with doctrine and theological correctness rather than fostering an intimate relationship with God. Campus and his brothers and sisters spent their lives creating an inner room within their souls, an inner room in which they could meet Christ. I'm going to read just a little bit from book one, a little bit from book two. In book one, Kempis is stressing the essentialness of imitating Christ in our lives. Most important is to cultivate humility, to see ourselves as God sees us. Pride makes us weak, easily toppled, makes us restless rather than peaceful. So from book one, chapter one. The Lord said, anyone who follows me shall not walk in darkness. These are the words of Christ, and by them we are reminded that we must imitate his life and his ways if we are to be truly enlightened and set free from the darkness of our own hearts. Let it be the most important thing we do then to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. Christ's teaching surpasses all the teachings of the saints, and the person who has a spirit will find hidden nourishment in his words. Yet many people, even after hearing Scripture read so often, lack a deep longing for it, for they do not have the Spirit of Christ. Anyone who wishes to understand Christ's words and to savor them fully should strive to become like him in every way. So what good does it do then to debate about the Trinity? If, by a lack of humility, you're displeasing to the Trinity. Lofty words do not make a person holy and just, but a virtuous life makes one dear to God. I would much rather feel profound sorrow for my sins than be able to define the theological term for it. If you knew the whole Bible by heart and the sayings of all the philosophers, what good would it all be without God's love and grace? Vanity of vanities, and all is vanity except to love God and to serve only Him. This is the highest wisdom, to see the world as it truly is, fallen, fleeting, to love the world, not for its own sake, but for God's, and to direct all your effort toward achieving the kingdom of heaven. Often remember that saying, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Therefore, make every effort then to shift your affections for things that you can see to the things you cannot see. Moving on to book two, which contains suggestions drawing one toward the inner life. Here, Kempis instructs us to focus inward on the result of attention to other people's business. For indeed, if we love Jesus above all things, if we place God where God should be, we do not need other people. We're called to take up our own crosses and follow Jesus, and we will always find the cross to be some form of suffering. If you bear it willingly, our burden will be less. 
know for certain that you must lead a life that focuses less and less on yourself. The less self-centered you become, the more you become centered in God. Book 2, Chapter 1 of God Speaking Within You. That's the title of God Speaking Within You. Listen to a bit from that chapter. The kingdom of God is within you, says the Lord. Turn to the Lord with your whole heart. Let him be the most important part of your life. And your soul will find rest. If you put God first, you will see his kingdom blossom within you. For the kingdom of God is living in peace and joy with the Holy Spirit. A thing not given to those who do not yearn for him with all their hearts. Christ will come to you and comfort you if you prepare a worthy place for him in your heart. All his glory and beauty lies within you, and he finds great delight in living there. He often visits a person who has a rich inner life, holding sweet conversion with him, granting delightful comfort, much peace, and intimate friendship. So get up, faithful soul, get up and prepare your heart for this bridegroom so that he will want to come to you and live in your heart. For he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and we shall come to him, and we shall make our home with him. Make room for Christ, then, and place him at the center of your life. When he alone rests there, you will have great wealth, and he will be all you need. He will care for you, and he will provide for you faithfully in everything. You will not have to depend on anyone else, for people soon change, and they fall short of your expectations before you know it. Only Christ remains constant forever, and he will stand by you till the very end. Do not rely too heavily on other people, for like all of us, they have their flaws and foibles. Even if you love someone very much and that person has been a great blessing to you, do not be disappointed if the two of you disagree sometimes. Those who are your greatest help today may not be tomorrow. Their needs change, and so do yours. Place all your trust in God, worship and love him. He will defend you and do what is best for you. This world is not your permanent home. Wherever you may be, you are a stranger, a pilgrim passing through. You'll never find peace unless you're united with Christ in the very depths of your heart. Why do you look around here to find peace when you could not really belong here? Your place is in heaven. All things pass away, and you pass away with them too. See that you do not cling to passing things, lest you become caught up in them and perish along with them. Let your highest thoughts be with the Most High, and your prayer be directed to Christ without ceasing. If you cannot contemplate high and heavenly things, rest your thoughts on Christ's passion, and dwell freely in his sacred wounds. If you go for refuge to Jesus' wounds, and to the precious marks of his passion, with humility and love, you will find great comfort in troubled times. You will not be too concerned 
about what other people think of you. And it will not be too hard to put up with the humiliating things that they say about you. Christ was also scorned by many people, and in his greatest need he was abandoned by his friends. As others heaped insults on his head, Christ was willing to suffer and to be despised. And do you presume to complain of anything? Christ had those who did not like him and who disagreed with him. And would you have everyone be your friends and supporters? How will your patience be rewarded if you meet with no hardships, if you never encounter oppositions? How will you be Christ's friends? Prop yourself up with Christ and for Christ. If you wish to live with Christ, if just once you could perfectly enter the inner life of Jesus and experience a little of his passionate love, then you would not care at all about what you might gain or lose in life. You would even bear insults gladly for the love of Jesus. For the love of Jesus makes a person think of himself in a very humble way. A lover of Jesus and of truth, a genuinely spiritual person who is free from a troubled heart can turn himself to God at any time, rise above himself, and rest joyfully in the Lord. So that's from book two. It is only in relatively recent times that this book, The Imitation of Christ, has diminished in popularity. Its message of unworldliness, withdrawal, and humility seems almost shockingly countercultural today. And of course, the challenge that the book poses to our modern worldview is in large part what makes it essential. Essential. Kempis was reacting to the doctrinal schisms of his own time with a passionate declaration that theological learning matters not at all if we do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus. His book tells us how to cultivate that relationship by creating an inner room where we can meet Jesus in prayer. At its heart, the imitation of Christ is a work of encouragement designed to build up our desire for prayer, to clear our minds and schedules of everything that would distract us from this most central of purposes. One reason that the imitation of Christ has become less popular in modern times may be that in large part because its tone can feel pessimistic and dour. Kempis writes, prepare yourself for enduring hardships rather than for comforts. Its focus on withdrawal from the world can feel off-putting, but whether we live in a monastery or an apartment building, we're still called to engage in creation of our inner rooms with Jesus. We still must figure out how to meet Jesus and the distractions of our daily lives and deeds. And for someone living in a world devastated by the plague or black death, reminding his readers of the sufferings and hardships they must endure was not pessimistic. It was practical. We too need to know that the spiritual life is no safeguard against suffering. The imitation of Christ is meant primarily to encourage us, encourage us to lead deep spiritual lives. Keep this focus on encouragement as you listen. 
Here's a little bit more from book two. The person who understands all things as they are, and not as they are said to be, is truly wise. It is taught more by God than by others. The person who knows how to walk by an inner light is not overly influenced by his surrounding, and he needs neither special places nor special times for prayer. And finally this, a person who can quickly focus inwardly is at one with himself because he never completely loses himself in his outside affairs. He is not distracted by such things, nor does occasional necessary business sidetrack him, but he adjusts himself to such things as they come. The person's inner life is well-ordered and set in place is not troubled by the strange and twisted things that people do. A person is hindered and distracted in life in proportion to the cares he clutters about himself. If everything were right with you, and if you were pure throughout, everything would work to your advantage. Nothing so stains and entangles a person's heart as a love of material things that is tarnished by self-interest. If you would put aside all those things that the world has to offer, you could then completely contemplate, you could then contemplate heavenly things, and you would often experience a deep joy. So this is our final Latin reflection. Because Palm Sunday is tomorrow. And for those who have come with me this little way of humble reflections throughout Lent of 2019, you have my heartfelt gratitude. Thomas Akempis is saying, we don't need a special time to reflect inwardly. We can experience Lent at any time. On Setting the Record Straight, this is Chuck Coughlin. God bless all. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health care ministry to provide an affordable health sharing solution rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.com slash podcast. That's mycatholichealthcare.com slash podcast.